Uh, it was a it was a place called an after hours club called Save the Robot. Oh, <laughs> yes. you know, it was in in Alphabet uh, City down there. Like you know, it's all it was, I suppose it's posh there now, but it wasn't at the time. When he, came, when he came out in the morning, it was all drag queens and all all sorts of things going on out on the street. And uh, it was all—it looked like something out of Crush Group. It was all graffiti and everywhere. And that was the way it was. It was a—I think if I remember reading on the wall, it was—it um, was a registered charity, and that's kind of how they got away with it because it was, it, it, it was a proper Save the Robot charity. <laughs> I went there with Damon, Damon Rochford as well. Remember yes. Damon Rochford? Went there with him that night. So I ended up in all sorts of weird places when I was there. And considering it was only there a week, I, I, I think I went to most of it at the time. But uh, you're remembering you go to the garage so, and to all these spots. I mean, it must have changed you somewhat to come back to London because New York's a whole different vibe, especially in those days. Well, the, the same year after that, and literally a few, a few months later, was when we sort of had that sort of experience in in, uh, in Ibiza. I mean, although although to be fair, I, I, you know, we all think about it as being like 1987, amnesia and all that. We'd been going to Ibiza for as sort of kids on holiday for ages. I mean, I took three hundred people there in, in 85, 1985, that with the soul and jazz funk thing. And played, we played at the Cafe del Mar in nineteen eighty-five. So it was like uh, a lot of a lot of the people that are known for Ibiza now didn't really get there till the nineties. We you know, we was five or six years before doing stuff over there every year, you know. And it was totally different then. I mean, it's mad, you know. I know it was totally different because when I first got there, I remember I, I say this, I've repeated this so many times, but my first time going to play in Pasha, right across that street was all sand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There, there, there was no, hotel, no hotels or anything, was there? There was there. nothing. There was no elder. No, there was nothing. No, they, they, they were kind of nearly always started off as houses, didn't they? They were all like, a, like Amnesia was, was like a sort of, you know, house, just, house. just a villa, you know, and then they just keep getting built on. Have you, have you seen uh, that, that Pasha book? You know, I've got, there's, there's a big book they did with like, it's got all photos from the 60s and 70s of Pasha, because, you know, it's in, yes, in the yes. early, really early days. It's in, in all the Ringo Starr star hanging out, you know, and the beat. Yeah, all, that, all that's going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it's funny enough, I, 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 I've got, a bit later on I'll talk about Pasha, because I did two or three years there, like before Spain was even in Europe and working in Pasha. You know, so I had a bar there in Pasha. So I'll, I'll come to that and, and try and I'll try and do it in chronological order. Doing good. Or yes, we're going to keep you, uh, keep you on track. We, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of eighty six, eighty seven coming into the, this thing. And so we'd all been there before, and I, I was there with me, Johnny, Paul, and Danny. You know, Danny, Danny Ramp. But Danny hadn't even started really. He hadn't DJed. He, he hadn't. He always wanted to, but he was kind of my box carrier at the time. You know, he used to come with me everywhere and, and all that sort of stuff. And he, but he had this desire to be a DJ as well. But I never really took him serious because he was just my mate, you know. You know what I mean? It was at the time, it was, yeah, what, mate? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I, didn't, I didn't take him serious, you know, because he used to help me do me flyers and carry me boxes and drive me around and do that. But I met that Danny in, in a beef for a few years before that, but in San Antonio. We always used to go to San Antonio. We never really went to the... The clubs with the foreignism we just kind of stuck to the English clubs because that's all we kind of knew. And when we did go, I remember one one night we thought we'd try Pasha, and we weren't really on the same time scale as anyone. 
and we went all the way over to to Ibiza Town. Went into Passion. You know that that they in the in the winter bits in the early season they sometimes just have the front bit open. You right, know when you right. first go in, the the club room there. They used to back the sphere. So first of all, we went there. We got there about quarter past twelve, which is way too early to be there because no one comes until two or three in the morning. And we sat around for about an hour and a half, two hours, thinking that was it. I didn't realise that the big club was behind it. So we left before they even saw the main club. That was the first time we were in the pressure. We thought, we, we thought, I don't know what, we don't know what all the fuss is about. It's only a little thing, you know. <laughs> and they didn't realise that they opened up the doors at the back and it went into the main club. You mean the zenith, which would have been the zenith bar originally? That area yeah, the zenith bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. My right. friend just didn't work in that one. Did you know, do you know Carlos Diaz? Argentina guy, yeah, he used to play yes, there a lot. Yes. That one. Yeah. I quite like them little ones, but that that bit there, that we thought that there was two of them like that. There used to be two almost next to each other. And, and we're often like, well, what's all the fuss about? This is nothing special. <laughs> that was it, you know. And then, then it was next year, and it wasn't until the year after that we, we you know, got went to Amnesia. How did we miss this? You probably yeah, said no, it's just, we it kind of went back to the, the club over in San Antonio because most, most English kids, their first I'd be for a place they go is San Antonio. Yeah. Because it, and then they sort of kind of feel like they've graduated after they've been there a while. Then they move over to, so then they move over to, to, uh, Boston and, and I'd be for town. And then they poo poo San Antonio. It's like, we're too close to go. I always, I always have a night out in San Antonio. I always have a wander around the West End just for old times sake. I always go and see some old bar owners. I know. And I always just like to have a walk around and have a look and see what's going on because uh, it, it used to get a bum, a, you know, a bum steering because it, it, it's, it's actually so much better now than it ever was. I mean, it's not it's not shit old like it was. It's actually nice now. Oh they, yeah, no one to do now up and all that, you know. But the the, the where the cafe Noir was, there was just nothing there. It was just that one building on its own like that. There was no 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 mambos in the Nothing Wait, at all. That was a little, just a little house as well. Did you know? Did you know above the Cafe Del Mar that uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Brandon and um, Alex P were living above. No, they weren't there. This is this is this is four or five years before they they, oh, they, they claimed it. This is really this is like eighty five, eighty six. But they, you know, they, it was it was still going. Well, it was kind of like if people who were out there for the summer. Work. They were called workers. You know, even though you know they're getting by, however they're getting by, but. They used to all go and sit outside there. I met that's where I met Sid and like, like uh, a lot of people then. But we, so we DJed in there in like eighty five and eighty six inside. And uh, but what it would be is when when Harry opened the, the, the one next door, you know, which Mambo's. That was just a, a house that, that used to have a an old lady sitting out the front, an old couple sitting out the front of it. You know, it was just someone's house. And uh, there was nothing there. It was just a car, but you could drive down, right down the front bit. That's, uh, I saw this car roll into the sea once. It just, just didn't put the handbrake on it. It just rolled down into the sea. Blokes running to try and get into it. as it's going into the drink. But when he, he did a good thing, Heavy, a very smart thing. This when he, They used to charge for the sunbeds in, uh, outside the Cafe Del Mar because everyone would go sunbathe there in the afternoons. Because they wanted money for the sunbeds, when Heavy opened, he let them have the sunbeds for free. So everybody started going there. And over the space of a year or two years, the Cafe de Mar was actually empty for a while while everyone was going there because all the workers were going there. 
you know, had, the drinks were cheaper. And he used to look, he used to have his always always welcomed the, the English and the people there. Whereas the, the, the cafe were a little bit more, you know, they're a bit more, you know, they didn't want to know so much, if you know what I mean. I always got in the right room, but it, it was always a bit like that. You know, you felt welcome, but members. But you know how everybody is, if they hear the word free, they're there. Yeah. Well, no, if you're, if you're out there and you're just getting by on a small amount of money, then, you know, you, you don't really want to pay for a, a sum bit every day. Yeah, why would yeah. I want to pay for one again? Yeah. Plus, then you know how it works, is once he gets everybody there, everyone's drinking all day. Yeah. That's the yeah. key. But he was just a little bit more, well, he was a bit more welcoming, you know? I remember that his two sons were like, like, and, you know, nippers. They were nippers. They were like kids. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw them, so I've seen them grow. Every year I've seen them a year older. And like, and it's just like, every he's in, God, you know, taller and taller. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. So I thought, I mean, um, there used to be a good club at the back of, uh, called Manhattan's, which was really, was really good. It was in San Antonio. Uh, and everybody used to go to one called the Star, which was the one that ended up being eased so much. Here's going. Wow. Uh, yeah. The, what the, oh, is that that? <laughs> Hang on. I'm having a fight. I'm having a fight with my chair. Hold on, everyone. He's testing out the thousand pound <laughs> chip. Yeah. No. What it is? I wanted to be able to do. You know the bit where you, don't, you can go like that. You know, well, the first time someone, first time someone sits in it and leans back, and they go right away back to me. I think it's going to fall back. Yeah, yeah. you do. You, it does feel like it's going to go over, doesn't it? That's, uh, that's what I, I, I wanted to do. Um, yeah, so anyway, the Bifa thing. Yeah, we were taking people over there in, in 85, 86, 87, you know, like two or three hundred people. Um, and then I kind of, what year are we in then? 87, yeah. So when we came back from there, the house, the people who had been out there all summer, they wanted to recreate what had been going on out there in Amnesia and all that stuff, you know, the music they were playing and all that. So that's when the sort of uh, Abifa-style party started here, but with mostly the people who'd been out to Abifa working in the summer. So when they came back in September, all they wanted to do was be with their friends and, and neck exercise. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, 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 it was about... It was about the music. It was always been about the music, but you, the, the, the first time in, in years, it's sort of you had a, a fashion, a music, and a drug that all came together right at the, at the first time, at the same time. You know, it's normally like, you know, you know what I mean. It was like the, the biggest thing since punk, you know, basically. And I can remember, like when when um, when we started Trip at the Astoria. This was now sort of eighty-seven. After that, when we started that. I didn't think that we, we didn't think we were going to open the, the upstairs because we weren't sure if we'd get enough people. You know, I was thinking if we get 600, we'd just have them all downstairs. Of course, we had like full house first night, 2,000 people. But we were, we sort of planned it for, for that. And, and Salt and Pepper had been playing live there. And we had like sort of 30 minutes to, to, to get the, their crowd out, set up all our equipment and all our stuff. And podiums and all the lighting and that, and then open again at eleven. We'd open at eleven. They would, they'd have a curfew of half ten. So there had been two thousand people in there watching Salt and Pepper. They were all out, gone, and then we were in. And it and it was that went for like a few years. That was trip and uh, trip and sin. 
How do you do such a change that quick from a whole crowd within 30 minutes and get your crowd in cleaned up? And rocking? How do you do all that? Well, it might have been, it might have been longer than that. It might have been like an hour or something, but it weren't okay. much. It wasn't it's really long. A lot to get to that amount of yeah. time. I think their curfew was 10, and then we was allowed to go in from there, you know, go half hours to get them out. Well, they're dormant, just throwing them out, basically. Just the fire exits are all open, and out you went. That venue, this story, that, I mean, that didn't, there was no such thing as security cameras and, 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 and CCTV in those days. It was, a, it was a, a big black torch and a rockweiler. That was, you know, and a security guard like that. That was it. That was it. And I mean, that was, that was half the problem when we, when we stopped doing it. It was because, you know, too many people were getting in through the side doors, you know, but just punk baying the, Dormant backhander to get in, you know? Right. Yeah. Gotcha. But I mean, you know, we had a good few years of it that doing, doing that. We had, I mean, I think I was the first one to put on Dave Morales. In, in, I was going to ask you that. Were you the yeah. first? Well, it, was, it would have been, I think it would have been 1988. Okay. It was 1988, and uh, we put on um, Kevin Saunderson. It was the first one to put Kevin on, and Freddie Bustone came over. He didn't play, but he came and hang out one night. And we, let's see how much we had. Oh, Derek May. You know, no one, no one really, no English DJ had heard of these people. I bet really. no, there was no, no they hadn't. Not the customers didn't. The only reason we, well, I was putting on is because Pete, someone who was resident with me on the Saturday, was kind of doing music things with them through his FFRR label and all that. He was kind of getting them doing a remix or talking to them. I mean, I didn't know who they were a lot of them at the time, but Pete said he'd be a good person to put on. You know, we had a hippie Tyrannis over once, right? When when we're going to miss me when you're gone? Is the other, you're going to miss me when you're gone? I turned to uh, the orchestra. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we booked him to come and do the. Well, I I thought we booked him to to do a PA. We wanted him on, to to do it on the stage, but he thought we'd been booked to DJ. So I remember, we somehow managed him to do both. We got we had let him do, we had the DJ, but got, I got he'd never done he'd never done a PA before. That, but we got him to do, you're going to miss me when I'm gone on, on the stage. He's like, we, we talked him into it. But it's fair play, you've done it. You know. Yeah, I guess fair yeah, play. Tyra Cooper met over that as well. the thing about Hippie and a lot of them. Yeah. We knew Hippie as a DJ, never yeah. as a singer guy when you miss me when I'm well, gone. Well, I don't think he'd ever done it before. Like, oh, I don't think he even knew he ever sang. I was like, what is yeah. this? And we had that raise. We had a lot of PAs on that. Came out, hold on, the record came out with Turntable Orchestra, so we didn't even know if it was. It was. Yeah, it was like, not two years later, we saw a video with him on. It was like, Hippie was on stage singing this? Yeah. Wow. But he was like, he thought he was, he was, he was coming there to DJ. <laughs> I mean, so, Think about it. Think about yeah. it. He was, he was a disco DJ from Zanzibar, New Jersey. Yeah. With Tony Humphrey's play. So wouldn't you think he'd be getting booked? He's probably think I'm going to get booked. Why? We don't want well, you. They came over as well. Uh, phase, phase two, you know, um, reaching, you know, that, that they came over and did something as well. I don't, I'm trying to remember what it was. We, we tried to have a lot of PAs on there, you know, like if, uh, because I always remember when I was a kid, I always remembered the nights when someone was up there singing. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, so it, it just sort of the night, it was always like, I always remember seeing the Sugar Hill Gang, always remember seeing McFadden White, you know, and always remember seeing Fat Larry's band, all at this other club. So I tried to do the same thing, was put something on every week, you know. So the big records, if we could find someone that did the, the big records, you know, they, they'd be on, like the Alison Limericks and the Rays and people like that. We, 
we got we got them all up there to do stuff. So really, in the was, you were breaking this music on the strength of others telling you book this person, this record's Well, happening. yeah, on that one, yeah, yeah. And then you find out who they are, and then you realise you've got all records with their names on them. But it wasn't really most most of them, the actual uh, customers. The, the crowd, they did, they wouldn't have known who John, 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 the Dave Morales was. No, no they do now. They oh, do now, no. but they, you know, there was so there's a lot of people passed passed through that place. You know? So here's the question: In the beginning, was it yeah. difficult to get these New York guys to fly over? Was it a difficult? No, thing it wasn't too it wasn't too bad actually. No, because the thing is, you've got to remember as well: they weren't these records weren't necessarily doing anything special in America. They were like bigger here than they might have been there. You know, they they weren't you know they, and they were they they were they weren't getting paid big bucks in those days. I mean, you know, it wasn't like it it went big later on. You know, they became stars later on. But at those times they were actually quite happy to cut to be invited to come because it wasn't like everyone was doing it. You know, Todd Terry and all them people, they were all I think Todd was another one I put on as well in the early days. Yeah, you think exactly. you know, people come through your, your yeah, and we we were at the same sort of time as that was those things going. We were doing these weekenders in the holiday camps, you know, like like the, like the, this the they do with uh, the the one up that's the soulful one. You know, what's the one that they, Alex oh, Lowe's okay. does? Can't remember the name of the you know, Southport weekend food. Southport, yeah. yeah, it's like them, but I was doing them down down uh, down south. And we were doing these chaos weekenders. We did four or five of them, and it was just it, it, things were just exploding. And we, we'd finish the the story up at three o'clock, and then jump in the cars and head to a rave around the M25 afterwards. And it was just it was just exploding week after week. Now, talk about good good timing for marketing. It was like a, this was a marketing man's wet dream. The the two style magazines in England at the time was ID in the Face magazine. They were the cool magazines, trendy magazines. And they both, the, the, week, the, the night I started this story, they both, the, both of the new editions, front page specials about this new music and this, this new scene. And we, opened, and we opened that weekend. It wasn't planned. We didn't get them to write these articles and like, like it would be now. Now it'd be like the, one of these clubs talking them into it, sweet talking them into doing this article to go with it as a marketing plan. It just fell together like that. It just, you know, wow. just, just fell that way. Incredible. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, you were going to be, it was, at one time in 88, there was, there was somewhere to go every night. You know, they were all busy. Before, it, it, you know, it got a bit towards the end of that era. So for me, it, I, I left the place because it was getting a bit too heavy. If there was a, you know, more rougher elements getting involved and coming in. It was a, it was like a, a powder keg. It, you know, you kind of like it stopped being enjoyable because you spent all night long worrying about the certain people being in there. Do you know what I mean? Some, some bad elements have started to creep in there, and they weren't coming through the front door either. It was just the security companies letting them in. And it was just great. And right next door to it, there was a a bar that we all used to go and sit into because we had an office in the store called Ivory's. It was. And we used to go in there every night afterwards for a drink, being Lisa and Chris who worked for me. And they said, well, we're selling up because they never that busy. And I said, well, do you want to rent it from us? We thought, yeah, maybe we could do a little bar there. 
you know, so the kind of sort of thought, like, let's, let's do a bar instead. So let's go small again and keep it nice, the nicer crowd. Because it was getting to the point where some people weren't going to the big things because of the rougher element, you know, some of them. But, um, so we opened up the milk bar. Okay. Because I like the name from, from there. So, and then when I, the week we left, we had a bigger queue outside the milk bar, which is in the same alleyway, same road. It's like right next to the building next door. But exactly that. And uh, we were still painting it on the night we opened. Right? There was like people, first thing that came in the door, leant up on the thing and got like a white paint on them. <laughs> we were still tacking down the carpets as they were queuing outside. It was that, but it was, it was quite a sort of makeshift thing with just friends helping. You know what I mean? It was like doing it on a bit of a budget. And, but that, that, that milk bar for the first couple of years was just like, well, we had, I found a flyer the other day and this was the week. It was, it was Monday nights was Darren Emerson and myself, right? Tuesday nights we had private hires. Uh, you know, we just left that one open because Tuesday's, Tuesday's always been the worst, the worst night of the week. Wednesday night was Danny Rampin, too sexy. He's there night. Um, Thursday nights we had bands on, and the first four bands we had on that night was a man called Adam, uh, brand new heavies, Jamiroquai, and uh, and who's the, oh, the James Taylor quartet. So we had band a band night with a DJ that on, on the Thursday. Friday night was me and Paul Overfield. Saturday night was Pete Tong and Dave Durrell, and Sunday night was Lisa Loud and Brandon Block. That's wow, the whole wow. week. I know. And that you know that's like that was that was every week. You know, but in those days, you see, uh, if you wanted to have a, be out later than eleven o'clock, because all the, the pubs in the, where people actually lived in the suburbs all shut at eleven o'clock, so you had to you had to go into the West End to get a late anything late going on. Nowadays, everywhere's got late licenses all round, so the West End's pretty pretty dead at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's not been much going on in there. You know, they kind of killed it a bit. It's not like the people would travel. W1 area? Yeah. Talk about the W1 area? Yeah, so on. So on. I mean, you know, so you can't park, you can't drive. You know, it's just, it's just, they just took the fun out of it. You know, it's just all moves elsewhere. It's all going on in the suburbs now. Or around the edges. But there wasn't, in those days, though, there was no Shoreditch or the Claphams, and, or there was no, there was no, like, no, the, the way things are going off now all around the place. They just didn't really exist. People went at the West End. By the way, there was an East London area club. Yeah. First night at Milk Bar, we had like the Bono came down and, you know, because Paul started doing some work. I mean, it was, it was, we always had quite a few famous people coming in, you know, like just rocking up, Kylie and all that sort of stuff. Wow. It, was, it was only a small club, but we, we, we looked after people down there and it was, uh, people liked it. They looked back on it with fond memories, that one. Yeah. Do you know what was funny? I was just thinking about it. at the time. We we only had a we, a time it was only open till two o'clock, and um, but the actual our license was actually only one o'clock, but like all the other places were two. So I said to, well, we just used to go till two o'clock for a year, you know, two years. We, we just assumed that the police wouldn't even notice, <laughs> and they didn't. So we didn't have we didn't have the full eight license. We just used to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Don't wave it, Sana. You couldn't we, get it. But we didn't have it, you know, we had a nice crowd of people in there. You know, it was like people look back at the things and they remember our, our security, you know, and as, as friends. 
you know, and you know what I mean? They everybody everybody liked coming there because they felt safe because they knew the people running it were, were them. You know what I mean? So it had that had that sort of a friendly vibe, you know, we're all on the same page sort of thing. We never used to have any trouble in the, in the not bar and then late when we went move around the corner to do the velvet underground. Right. Because right. because uh, what happened was we the lease run out and they were always planning to knock that whole corner down to build what they've built there now. So 10, 10, 20 years ago, it's only recently happened in the last five or six years, but it was on it was being planned 20 years ago. So all the buildings in that area only got short leases. So they, 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 they were there. So I moved from Astoria to next door, and then when that was going, I walked around the corner and I found an old restaurant, that um, restaurant club thing, literally a stone's throw away from what the other one was, and then we got that one up and running. Wow. So I literally kept moving down the road. But he went about 100 yards and had three venues. Yeah. So, so I mean, I mean, I mean young man's game now. I don't, know if it, I don't think I'd want to be... Uh, out of the club every night of the week now, though. a bit old for that. Oh, but at the time, you know, you know, if you we, we was in our twenties when we were running the things, you know, we were only 25, 20, 26 at the time, which is quite young. But we did it, it was a, you know, for the love of music, really. And, and not all the other clubs, the, not the other clubs weren't playing decent music, we were, you know. And you know what happens when you do something like that, you become a target. Because people are seeing your club is packed almost every night, and then everybody's trying to copy what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the copy is either one or two things. One, they're either giving you the credit that you are great at what you do, or two, they're trying to pull the money away from you. It's yeah. either one or the other one. You know, I remember one night down there we had uh, it, it, um, Sister Sledge had come over to do some uh, gay boat trip to Amsterdam that got cancelled while they were here. So uh, David, David, David Levy, David Levy, manager, he, he was looking after them. So I got a phone call on a Saturday afternoon saying, do you want, because I had two gigs on that day, two small ones, right? Uh, and I said, they said, do you want Sister Sledge to do a PA? Just like, just to, you know, to get some, they wanted to just try and claw some money back for the month for the flights and all the things that they spent getting them over. So unannounced at the milk bar and this other gig we did uh, at Rascals around the corner, unannounced, no, no advertising, if you like. And it's just, it was just, oh, we've got something a little bit special for you now. Please welcome Sister Sledge. And they did like, you know, We Are Family and uh, they did the four, four big named hits and that. It was like people were just like, wow. You know what I mean? They hadn't gone seen it anywhere and they didn't have time to tell anybody. How you know you know what those are the kinds of surprises that we all yeah, love. It, it worked out perfect. You imagine if you would have had camera phones in those days. Yeah, and no, I know that's the thing. I don't think I've got one photograph of that. Uh, I know, I know a friend of mine has got one, but I, 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 no, I, no uh, we didn't. We didn't have any. Mind you, in a way, some of the things that were going on, it was, might have been better without cameras. Yeah. I remember in, in I remember in Ibiza, no cameras were allowed in any any of the clubs. It was like all the tours used to have a cam picture of a camera with a. The, you know, the red circle around it with a line for it. Yeah. Boy, that, that changed when we got the phones. Everywhere you start seeing pictures popping up. Yeah, like, a, a friend of mine lost her phone once in space, and we had to go there in the afternoon. And we went down to the back to there's a lost property office, and on the table there was a pile of passports and a pile of phones 
and a pile of sunglasses, like a huge pile of, like, literally, probably got three or four hundred phones, three or four hundred passports, three or four hundred sets of glasses, things that they just found and put there. Like, which one's yours? <laughs> but that truly, you know, I, I was saying before, I don't know if you heard me, I do remember playing Velvet Underground, your spot, and I do remember you didn't allow cameras in there. We didn't have camera phones in those yeah. days. We didn't have them. Yeah, no, no Velvet was, was a good little club. It was, you know, it, was a, it was a natural continuation from that one, you know. And we, we put a nice sound system in there, and it was so no, crowd to move around the corner. Dude, you always did a good job. Wherever clubs yeah, you were. Yeah, we, we also, we had like drum and bass nights in as well, Fab and Groove, and we had lesbian nights, and we had like you know, gay nights, and we had mixed nights. We had practically everything jazz nights, soul nights, and, 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 you know. Good music all around. Yep. Yeah. But it was never, it was one of those things, you know, I look back at it, we never really had long enough leases on any of those things to be able to make any money out of it. In other words, you build a business up and you can't sell it because there's no lease. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, you, you, know, you can build it up, make it successful for a couple of years, and if it's got like, a 20 year, 20 year lease, then you can sell it on to somebody else. You know, get out while it's at its peak. But we can never do that. Like we made a living, and we, we you know we made we did all right out of it. But it was never going to be. We were never going to get rich out of it. Right. I've always I've always found that the, uh, it's never the innovators and the people that come first doing something that make the money. It's always the people that come second that make the money. You know, they're never. It's never the trailblazers. You know, the actual people that think of these ideas, set them up and do them, they normally end up like losing their shirt. And then the person that comes along and picks up the pieces, you know, the, the, the second one along is the one that comes and makes, makes all the money. No, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Just happens. Yeah. So along that way, we went to the early nineties and I could tell, and of course I remember you as a DJ and club owner, pretty very well known. And everybody was talking about, you know, all the, you know, Nikki Holloway is the party guy. Nikki Holloway's going strong. Nikki Holloway's doing these great nights. Nikki Holloway's events are the, the bomb. You got to play them. And I know you're making good money in those days and things are good. When does that roller coaster, as it hits the top, starts to, you know. Yeah, well, for me, you know, that's that. They say what goes up comes down. And uh, yeah, no, it was kind of like I, I left. I had a partner in in the Velvet called Leon, and he, we 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 were kind of on different pages. You know, he would invite down some people that I would have spent my life avoiding to the club. He'd be bringing down people that were people we didn't really want in there, and we kind of weren't really seeing. Wait, wait, are you talking like gangster type? Guy? Yeah, a bit like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it was just like. We try really hard keeping them all out, and then he's turning up, and then as we're closing with people that we didn't really want in there, and and uh, you know there was a lot of things going on in those days where uh, people were buying nightclubs, wanted to buy all the nightclubs because they could launder money in them, you know, because you could have a nightclub and you go to the bank the next morning and bank all this cash because they they don't know if you had ten people in the club or if you had. 2000 in there. So nightclubs was always a good way for them to wash up other thing money. And we kind of like kept away from all that sort of thing. And I felt it was coming closer. And I, so I kind of, um, you know, because I never wanted to really get involved in any of them. And 
I found this other big venue uh, that had been, it was in the West End, and I got the lease on it, and we didn't get the planning permission in the end, and it took about a year to do it. It was a, it was a brilliant building. It was where, it was like the social club where people who used to play in all the, the theatres in the West End, it was where they went before, oh, well, tonight you're in this theatre, tonight you're in that one. You know the orchestras in the band? You know, and they had this big, we've got this big memorial to uh, the band that played on the, the Titanic sank. Like, because the band played on when the Titanic sank, didn't they? The yes. Band, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And it was just, it was on four floors. And if, if we did, just didn't get the planning permission, we were all right with the police, all right with the fire, had all the plans drawn up, everything's done. And it, 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 I ran out of money. You know, I used all the money from getting out of the velvet. It took sort of two years out of me doing that, and it all came to nothing in the end. I still got it all in boxes out of the back there. And I was a bit devastated with that, and I was, you know, I was drinking too much and doing too much of the other thing, you know, and it, and it was like, when you have a club, the phone rings. All of a sudden, when you haven't got a club, the phone don't ring as much. Do you know what I mean? People sort of, you know, they oh, don't get, say. yeah. They say, when you're yeah. hot, you're hot, when you're yeah. not. And it definitely, it was definitely that, you know, that, that, it felt like that a bit, and I was sort of, I was skinned, and I wasn't getting so much. Well, I was getting bits and pieces, but and I, I had, you know, was sort of all my stuff was in storage, staying in people's houses, and all. So, you know, I was, I had hit a hit a, hit a, hit a low, you know what I mean? Because I'd, I'd been on a sort of bender of cocaine for like a couple of years, and during that period, and I couldn't see out the way what you get out of it. And that's when I, I sort of, um, basically a few people got together, Link Cosgrave and uh, Johnny and Paul and Link uh, uh, over in Singapore, and they, uh, they they kind of chipped in and sent me to uh, a rehab clinic. Just, you know, because I, I didn't really have anywhere else to go. I was fucked. I, you know, it was like, I had no money, no work, everything storage, big problem, drunk every day, you know, and it was like, well, let me ask you something. I don't know. It's seven years of sobriety. Hang, hang on. Before you get to the point of them chipping in, which is a valiant thing, and I do remember hearing about that. Mm. How did you support the habit when you're no longer having the income to keep you? You know what I'm saying? Because that's well, it. Very- you know, I, I was, I, that was that was it. You know, that's what I remember. I think it was because I just run out. I mean, I, I think it's because well, I was doing gigs still, but probably every penny was going going to that rather than. So when Peter, when Peter would take Peter's money, yeah. it'd all be, I'd go out on a Friday, Friday Saturday night. I'd own a grand over the weekend and I'd come over with nothing or owing something. Oh, you know? It was, it was, it was bad. It was, uh, you know, but it's, it's something, it's something, something that's happened to a lot of people since. So I'm, not, I'm, not the, I'm not the only one, you know. No, it's okay. and listen, it happens to the best people. By now, you should have been a millionaire ten times over, probably. Yeah. Because I, 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 I kind of, well, a lot of people were getting their shit together. You know, and, and doing all these other things, and another thing I missed out on a lot was was the, the label and the music side of things because I was so busy. I was out every night, and it was like you know, lock-ins every night. I would, I would I'd come out, come out of the clubs, and it's daylight, and everyone's going to work, you know, and I'm going home and going to sleep, and then getting up at four o'clock in the afternoon, having something to eat, and then going back in the town, and then doing it all again, and it was just like a rat on a wheel. Yeah, but I mean, we did put, you know we did print some things off that were good at that time, but it just all went wrong. But when you know. you're in that 
in that wheel, that squirrel, you know, like the squirrel wheel. Is it fun anymore? No, it, it stopped being fun. It stopped being fun. And that's when I decided to... It was almost like when I went to the, this, the Charter Nightingale, it was in, in Listen Grove. And, you know, they, they, you can't speak to anyone for, for like a week or so. And, they, you know, there's no phones allowed and all that. And it was like, I actually got in there that night and I breathed like a big sigh of relief. You know, oh, I, I managed to do, I managed to do seven years of, of, like without any drink or any, any drugs. So I, done, I went seven years, and that that was the only thing is when you come out and you're sober, and you haven't got that crutch of the other things. It's really hard working in the nightclub side of things because everyone who's off their head and pissed is is like annoying. You know, if you're not on the same vibe as you, it's like oh, go away. <laughs> and then and then you know you're not going to the other. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, mate. Come out of yeah. here. Leave me alone. Yeah. Wait, wait. You're telling me the one that had one of the best parties in the world is telling everybody, get the hell away from me right now because yeah. I don't you know, I'm, go- I'm going home at the end of the night. You know, it was all right when I was all right when I was DJing, but I didn't didn't you you just don't want to be in a club if unless I was DJing. If I was working, it was fine. But even then, you know, like it, it was all these sort of things that could trigger. It was so easy to slip back into it. You know, and uh, how did you say? How did you find yourself not going back that way? What would you do? Well, I, just, I mean, I, I went meetings. I did all AA and NA and all that sort of stuff, and read the books. But I actually got stuck into technology and, and making music. To be honest, you know, that's, that's, that's like was became my new, new, new fix. You know, and I need something to take that space up. Where I spent so much time drinking, jogging, and uh, you know, I was, I was living in uh, over in Bow. I got stuck. Get back things back together again, you know. It was it was it was, it was all right, but it was um it was a bit like didn't you used to be Nicky Lloyd? Oh, he's 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 crashed and burned. You know what I mean? And they didn't want to invite you to things because they know everyone is going to be doing things at these parties. And they they feel awkward. You know what I mean? They feel awkward knowing that you've had a problem with it. They don't know how to be. They don't know what to say. It's like yeah, it's like so. Well, if they go to a house afterwards for a party. But they are worse. You don't really want the, the person who's all straight telling you off and all that, or, you know, who's all preachy. Do you know what I mean? So it was a bit, it was a bit of a lonely time in my life. But uh, a friend of mine gave me a laptop and I got on the internet for the sort of first time. And so it was, it was soul searching. Hang on a second. So there's really more of a soul searching time to see where you really fit. You know, yeah. like, your old life is no longer the life you want to live. Yeah. It's, it's like you know you get. You, I went to I went to I went to Biffa quite a few times, and I went I went like to Australia and to to Rio and where, but not not having a not, not having a drink or anything at all. Like you're not even on the plane or anything, you know. And it was just all a bit alien, you know. And it felt a bit weird, you know. But then I then I started to do, like literally started to start making do music when I went on my trips, you know, on laptops and started to. Use that time in the hotel rooms where you might be, you know, sitting around hotel rooms. It's a bit boring. I'm to ask you this question: Are you musically inclined? Have you? Do you know how to play any instruments? Well, I've made, I've made, um, not, no, I didn't then. No, no, I, I can do keyboard stuff now. You know, I've, I've, uh, I, I kind of um, made music, but then I didn't really have the vehicle to get it out to anyone. If you know what I mean, it was like, yeah, I don't even you know, music coming out with your name on it back no, in. The- I, 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 I did have a. Uh, there was uh, one in 1987 that got signed. That was a uh, short beats working. Actually, sold eight thousand copies of it. 
Tell everybody, oh, wait, wait, wait. Tell everybody the name of the track and everything. Sure, beats working. And it was uh, it was like a Balearic thing, you know that sort. Of, Simon, I hang on, read this. Hang on. Simon says he did yeah. a track for FFR. That's uh, was that one. Yeah, I did two actually. And the second one was a uh, there was one second one. I don't know how we got. We, we actually used the Prince sample, and Ooh. no, I don't think we licensed oh, it. But, but, uh, I think we used about four different tracks in. It was, it was the, fo the follow-up to the, that thing, and I did a PA of it. That was going back further than that, you know. So when you were doing this, you were part I've, of I've actually made loads of music that no one's probably ever heard. You know? yeah, but so, so when you were doing that stuff, you probably were doing it for more of a laugh at that time because you were so wrapped up in everything else. Yeah. Well, I did, you know, I, 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 I was Ben and Andy. I don't know if you know Ben and Andy for Boiler House Wars. They, they – they re-recorded. Do you remember a record Give Me a Sign by Index? Sure, I do. Yeah. That was yeah. out of um, the Canadian. Sure. Yeah, Canadian. But, well, um, I think we had them on once as well. Homex yeah. is another, another record. What the hell is the name of that label? Um, Big Shot. Big Shot, yes. Yeah, and, like a red and a black one, wasn't it? Yeah, red one, and black, Homex. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're dear on you. I can't get my love in and that as well, yeah. Is that so bad? Yeah, but no, that's, no, that's not. That's but anyway, so, so we always thought that you know that that was a could have been a good pop song. So they they got the guy from EMF, you know, the bloke who sang that. You're unbelievable. They got him to, to sing. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got him to do a version of it because it, it always sounded a bit like Depeche Mode. Anyway, it didn't it always sounded quite monotone. So we got, I got that. So I started working on doing a remix of that because they used always used to hear me play it. They said, I'll do a remix of that. And I pretended I could do it. But then I had this massive learning curve. I got Reason and tried that. And then I got Cubase and tried that. And, it was, and I was like, wow, this is great. And then, then from then onwards, I was, I was hooked. I got studios. I was doing a lot of, um, a lot of production stuff for a while and even quite a bit of that and a few adverty things because I was, not going out basically for seven years. I didn't really go to the club or anything unless I was DJ. Wait, wait, wait! What are you going out? It's like you're in prison, like you're in a box. Well, Where were you hiding? For like years? No, I mean I see people, but it was uh, it was like unless I found, thought I had an excuse to go. It's like you know, I'm I'm not a punter. Well, you know what I mean? Used to, used to either be running it or working on it. You know? I don't like the English expression. Everyone now understand this. You couldn't be asked. Couldn't be asked. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, it's just a bit like, you know, if you're not DJing or, or you're not working on the event, you're just, a fat old man. you're just a fat old man looking at young girls in a, in a bar. You know, it's like, <laughs> but if, if you've got, you know, something to, a reason to be there, I don't, I don't really like going somewhere unless it's, a, unless it's a good friend's party. I don't really like it unless I'm, you know, if I'm DJing, fine. If I'm, if I'm, promoting, if I'm doing something, I don't, I don't mind being in that. Environment, but if I'm not, I just don't know, I just don't know what to do. No, you say that it was a weird one, it's a weird one. So, seven <laughs> sidelines waiting to come back, and then you get and you get encroached into reason, a computer, yeah. and you start doing it all. And now you're at the point you're making records now, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to, I've, I kind of like, I, I started this thing about three or four years ago now. But I kept, I kept adding stuff. I, I had, my plan is to do the complete opposite to to anyone else, and that is make a, a double album. You know, I'm making an album, right? 
it's not going to be on Spotify, it's not going to be on Apple, it's going to be sold for one or so. They're getting so little money from Spotify. You get a million listens, you get 20 quid through the post. What's the point of that? I'd sooner sell 100 on my website to my friends. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not worth it. For the, it's just all sort of that whole model is wrong. You know, no one's getting paid. So I just, I just see them not let, let them have it and just, uh, just do it from me. My own way, go back like, like it used to be out of the back of the van, you know. You know what I'm But they are selling to the the stuff I've made at the moment, though, because no, no one's heard any of it yet, right? But I've got six that are ready to be heard, and I think people will be actually surprised when they because it's not, it's not shit, it, it's, it's, it's really good. But it's just trying to find a vehicle for it now, and so who knows? You know, there's no, there's no seem to be any music business anymore for dance music I don't know they never don't you know just don't know how you do it like that anymore I used to know everyone in the industry now I don't really there don't seem to be much of an industry left well can you explain the difference to what you're seeing now to what it was back then you know well you know I would knock out the way bootlegs and stuff you know of things and you could you could sell a couple of thousand in a weekend in those days you know and almost Almost like you can almost sell 500 of practically anything as long as it was some, you know, something decent in Indus, you know, when, it, when all the vans were going around the record shops and things. So I, I did do quite a few of them things, but all under different names and that. I lost the, the confidence to put my own name to things. So, because yeah, I, I feel that when people like, they won't listen to it with open ears if they think it's me, because they think it's going to be like, oh, that's just going to be classic house, even though it's nothing like that. You know, even though it could be something completely different, they they pigeonhole you and they think it's going to be that that. So I was doing them under pseudo names because that way people might actually listen to it. Whereas if they if they think it's you, they, they, they probably, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, here's a bit of that familiarity brings contempt a little bit, doesn't it? You know what I mean? If it, 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 could be, it could be the same record. If it comes from the new kid on the block, it's yeah, true. Yeah, I do know that test because we've t- we've tested that we've we changed names on records and did the same stuff we did 25, 30 years ago. Check this yeah. out, and people are saying to me, "This is this is shit hot." No, it but sounds it's the same like thing. 1990. Yeah. What are you talking about? But yeah. it's just because they think it's new because it's a name they don't recognize. They yeah. found gold. I play a lot of them. I've, I've actually, like now, when I'm DJ, so I've, I've, you know, I've got enough of my own stuff to play a two or three hour set. And, and, I, and so I slip, I, I play them out myself, and you know, I see them work, and people do ask me what they are and things like that. DJ, DJs, and people like that. But I just, I just, you know, I'm glad I have them because you only get one stomach. You know, if I had to put things out even a year ago, listening to them now, to what they did a year ago, they are just. Different gravies. So I've learned so much in this last year. Sure. You know, I've just been like a, you know, I, I realised I didn't really know what I was doing before, and I've learned so many. For you know, you know, the gain staging and phase, and you know, all things that like even how to use the the, the, EQ, the uh, SSL channel strip and all the things like that. Just you know, little little things I didn't really that I'd read about the techie stuff. You know, I didn't. I, I just thought that's it. Layering kick drums and all the things like that, and make, you know, when I listen to some of my old tracks, I didn't even realise that the parts of it weren't even in tune. Because <laughs> so, so when when you listen to something 
enough times that's out of tune, you think it sounds right. And then the next day you turn it on and listen to it, you go, well, that ain't right. <laughs> yeah, but back then you could get away with stuff like that because yeah. things were loose back then. We didn't have the yeah. tool to make everything perfect. Now, with auto-tune this, everything is yeah. edge. Yeah, no, but you got... You, sounds way out. Anything you know, you know, you got like spectral layers and RX and all that, and, you know, can pull the separate stuff now. So it's like, you know, back when we were doing it in the beginning, you yeah. had all that from scratch. You didn't have loops to grab. You didn't yeah, have yeah. sounds to start with. Now you just you. But it's all yeah. It's all there for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of times you say get back to my playing stuff. I have, you know, I do do put them all in all the stuff in myself. Or sometimes I'll nick the DNA of the, you know, I literally will play along slowly with the, with the MIDI. Like, might take me like an hour to do this one bar of getting it right, the timing and the phone, you know, like the timing and the right, because it, it can look right on the screen but not sound right. You know? But you got the time right now. Well, yeah. I have actually. I have. I've got, I've got something like 26 tracks. Like, there's a couple of covers, but, um, but uh, the couple of things are a bit half and half, and the rest are quite, you know, they're good. I can't wait to play them with people. But there hasn't been, there's been no point in putting anything out this last year, is there? Because, no, you know, it's, it's basically clubbing music. So what's the point in putting it out now? Just wait. Well, that's the problem. There is no yeah. club yet. You know, to yeah. hopefully it'll creep back. I think it will. I mean, it, well, it has to come back because there'll be a whole, I think when it does come back, you can, you're looking at a third summer of love, you know, because uh, you've got a whole set of kids that have never been out. Well, you know, your another, ideas, mate. A, another summer of love would be absolutely out of You know, the only thing though is, is like these generational things. Well, you know, a lot of the kids these days are all a bit wet, and they, you know, they, I don't know if they actually they don't they, their mums went out raving. So I don't know if they will do it because it, people don't like doing what their parents did. Yeah, yeah really. that's the thing. The has to, has to jump another generation, doesn't it? Wait, wait, there has been, I mean, this social media shit is sitting at home all day yeah. on your computer has to get tiring. You want to be out. Yeah, you think, you think so, wouldn't you? You'd think so. But uh, as if there's any clubs left to go to. Well, there will be. Yeah, there will be. And there'll be a whole bunch of new stuff popping up. You could be yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. There, there will be. Nicky, talk to me about when you got to that point, you know, right? As you went to rehab. I know you said you, you went, you blew, you yeah. blew out that steam. I'll tell you what, you know, I just thought of something. Like, like something. <laughs> you, know, you know the Wikipedia thing, right? Someone, I didn't know how well, I didn't do it, but it was, it was, it was like that for years. And then the, the last bit of it, and then he went, crashed and burned and went to rehab. Because I, I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know that you could, anyone could like chip in. And there's all these other people putting yeah, people people up there that's not, yeah, not yeah. even true. And it's just it's stuck there for about three or four years, just ending on that bundle. And I've done loads of new stuff since then. And I thought, why ain't no one putting that up? Right? So on the first of me, I did cheat on it. I, I, I did get my mum to, to put some stuff up there. Because it was all true, but no one was putting it up there. You know what I mean? So it's, it is all true what I put on it. So the last paragraph I wrote, to be honest with you, probably get thrown off it now. But like the last, because it was just all really, it was just all a sad note. And I thought, well, what about all the good things that have happened since then? Why don't I put, so I, I did it under a movie name, put the last bit up. So open up the Wikipedia and then, and then, wait, wait, wait. Open up the Wikipedia and tell us what the hell you wrote the last paragraph. And then it was just to try and make it a little bit more upbeat rather than just, 
Did you really ending, crash ending on it? Just the last, the last. Did bit you? Of it. Okay, hang on. Did you really, as it says, did you really crash and burn, or did you just lose steam? Which one was it? Probably both. Same thing, really. No, just to, no, just to really have any other options. I couldn't carry on the way I was going. Did you realize that you think you're going to kill yourself at that point? Or you just said... Well, I've done something really embarrassing as well. I've done something that could have got me arrested. I, you know, I broke into an ex-girlfriend's house and stole her phone because I thought she was cheating on me. And she was. And it was like, you know, but I, I you know, kind of booted the door in. And there, was, there would have been cameras there and all this, you know, so I wanted to get some stuff out of the house. And like, she'd got to work. And she, I thought she weren't opening the door. So, and it was like, and I thought, do you know, I got home and I woke up the next day. So I was obviously off your nut and I thought, this has got to stop. I could, I could go to jail for that. That's when you knew you were out of control, right? I had, I had to ring the girl up and beg her not to, not to take, take it any further because, like, the neighbours saw, you know, I could, I could have gone to jail for that. And I'm far too pretty to go to jail. <laughs> You went no, to no, but it really was. It was a, you know what they say the, the, the bottoming out thing. It was it was a, it was a it was what it was. What's the word? Is this word they call it? it was you hit rock bottom? You hit it. You hit rock, rock bottom. Yeah, bottom there. there is yeah. No bottom no more. Yeah. There was a wake up call. You know, there was a wake up call. I, you know, I thought, what, you imagine that the embarrassment of that. You know, I'll never want to Yeah, because you're a classy dude. Come on, you weren't. I mean, I know. No, but I wasn't then. You know, I was getting messy all the time, you know. You know, it was was just like, it's just been years of of that. And and then sometimes you just got to go hands up and and just walk away from it, which I did. It's just a build up. Okay, so how close... Well, no, I'm not the only one that's happened to. I've seen it outside. Oh, people, yeah. There's a lot of people that went through this shit. That's the problem. The party never stopped for some people. It just never yeah. stopped. That's why, that's why you know, when everyone else was getting their stuff together and you know, making money, I was just out spending it. And then when, it, then, when it, when, then when the taps turned off and there was no money coming in, it's even sadder then. You know? But anyway, it's just... That's that's just a sweet time. It's educational, Nikki, that you it, you you can see the outside the other. No, I look back now and I cringe, but like, and I think, Christ, how did it get that bad? But it did. You know what I mean? Okay, but now that okay, but now that you're looking at it from a different perspective, what would you have done differently? I know you had time to think about it. What have you? What would you have done differently? Probably nothing. See. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah, I feel about that because you know it's like why? Cool, you make you I don't know because I, I I thought I was doing the right thing at the time. You know, I probably would have gone home earlier and done more more work. I, I probably would have done a lot more music had I not been out every night. You know, and at that time people were making money out of those dance tracks. You know, you throwing anything out and getting signed and putting compilations and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, it was six. You know, and then they've got a little back catalogue of stuff to do. You know, during that time there was the major labels were in the UK were playing paying five and six figure deals yeah. on singles and albums. They were, they were, they were. Yeah, and then yeah, I, I, I did do one as well. I did, actually, I tell you what, I did do. Um, there was a Holloway Co record that came out. On Incredible, you know, when Lim was at Sony, at Sony there, but she used that um, John Davis orchestra thing. Uh, I'll do anything to make you man. That did all right. We got got some money for that one. 
Did you have but to try? Did you have to I try? think he kind of like, you know, I, I've kind of done things, everything in reverse. I now, all I want to do is do the music now. And there's no 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 real industry there anymore. I've missed the, missed the boat, haven't I? But you know, the thing is, I've always found that when I chase the money, it never happens. You know, it's like every time I think I'm near it, it gets pushed further away by some little thing. So I'm just going to do what I enjoy and doing it. So and, you know, if, and if money comes along, that's that's that's, that's a byline. That's a sideline. So that's wait, a wait, extra. hang on. You so know? if the goal was here, right? Yeah. Each time they pull the goal away from you, like just like that, yeah, just pushing it away. You know, I thought there was, a, there was a, recently um, to waste three years, and there's actually a film script been written by uh, Irving Welsh that we've never been allowed to see. It's just, it was started about three or four years ago. Somebody came to us with the idea of making a film. I don't know if you ever see a film called uh, Northern Soul. By Elaine Constantine's thing. It's, it's, a, it's no, a sort of coming of age type film where that these people who used to go to these Northern Soul all night all day. There. But it was a good film. And we thought, let's let, 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 let the plan was to do this uh, set, set back in 1987 with me, Paul, and Danny going on, on holiday to Ibiza and then ending with it taking off here. It's all about those, all about those early two years, just setting that bit. And then how it came up with it. And that was what we thought it was going to be. And uh, agreed to write something. And during that period, the, the production company that was going to do it got lumped in with some other things, like James Corbin in, in, in America. And it then suddenly went from that to being a five-series Netflix-type like series. And, it, and then with all these made-up characters that didn't exist, and it, it went completely off off of what actually it was meant to be. You know what I mean? Once, once they signed, we signed a deal and we got, we, we got a little advance, not much, but, good, but the, you know, the writer's got the big bit. But it wasted three or four years of our life. I mean, most sort of Paul didn't doing it in the first place, which I thought was really tough. And, um, you know, because they were get, getting the funding. They got, they got development money. But it, after three years, it just all came to nothing. The deal just ended and nothing happened. And we're like, if it if it if it had gone back to what was the original thing, was it an hour and a half, no TV film almost, and that, that. But then, then it, once it got into the hands of other people, it just wandered off into being, you know, sons of anarchy with house music. You know what I mean? It was like it, it, it completely changed, and it all came to nothing. You know? And outside, that's when I got ill as well. So, so I thought I'd have that because it, it was the deal we done with it was like. The day they start filming is when you get your your advance, you know, which was a, would, would have been a nice little lump, you know. And I thought I've got that coming, and then the you know the publicity from that would get me work and would do, do promotion things around. And I thought I've got all that to look forward to once I get over my illness thing, and it just all come like that, dust <laughs> fell apart. But that's the I mean, that's a familiar story anyway. That's happened to loads of people loads of times, doesn't it? You know what I mean? We've all, we've all got one of them so. It is part of course, brother. It is part of course. These people trying to call in that can't be calling. You, you know, you know what it is as well. It's, it's uh, it, it does. It all changes from from what they, you know, they, the original thing was what it was meant to be, and then they as soon as they sign you up and you can't do it, then they want it to be something else. I mean, they're making up these people that were going to be in it, and the, 
uh, making out a storyline that was like nothing to do with it. So if you, wait, wait, wait. if you just done the true story, it would have been good enough. What exactly was this thing called for Netflix? It didn't really, it didn't, know, it didn't have any, even have any name. And it's been since then, there's been loads of real crap ones on there. There's been loads of crap of beef films on Netflix, but, but they turned they turned it down. I mean, the company that was doing it, I won't mention names, because you know, but um, uh, they, they, they all he's the way for three years, they said it was going to... Watch, he's going to mention a name. He's just no, going to mention a name. I but it's not, it's not good, not good thing to do to try to let... I, you know, I try not to, to... You never know when... You meet the same people coming down as you do going up, and you never know in the future, do you? You know? But I don't know how hard they tried, but they every time we spoke to them, they're going, they're taking it here, they're meeting these people, they're doing that and all that, and they just didn't happen. You know? One of the things we need and a big one say, say. Yep. Say la vie, right? You just keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So like, now I, 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 I think I've worked out the, the, the life and how it works. And that is it's a never-ending game of snakes and ladders. Right? When my phone rings, I'm either going along the board or I'm going up a ladder or down a snake. You know, and, and, and when everything's going really great for me, something comes along and trips me over. And whenever something's going really, really crap for me, something lifts me out of it. Do you know what I mean? Something like, like when I got the, you know, the, the cancer thing, this treatment wasn't available I had. It wasn't available in England. And uh, I was having two days away from having, uh, having to have it cut out. And I, I kind of, I knew it was available in other countries, but they weren't going to have it in England because they didn't have it. And it's, you know, it's 30, 40 grand. It's a lot of money for really. And, but, when uh, my friend, I sent him a, I was trying to draft up the thing for, to start a GoFundMe page up, and I sent it to him just just to sort of check it over because I was like, I'm in an R, and I, you know, he felt like a beggar. I felt like a beggar. And Colin Batson, a friend of mine, helped me write the thing out. And it was like I would probably still be writing it now had he not sent it to his mum, who then posted it on Facebook, and it just went off. And then within four or five days, I had the money. You know, they raised, raised, raised 30 or 40 grand, it was what together, in, in like a week. You know, I think it was a week or two, or 10 days, and, I, and I had the money. Somebody wrote. And I, I, I was still, I'm in an hour, I sent it to my mate's mum, and he posted, she posted it. Let's give proof for at the moment. Read this, please. Falling in shit and coming out smelling of roses all the time. It's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. There's me. Uh, I'm the opposite. I could fall in a swimming pool full of tits and still come out sucking my thumb. <laughs> oh man! No, I, I mean, you know, you, the thing is, I think this this, this pandemic thing is it, it's, it's proved that you know you just don't know what's around the corner. Nobody knows. There's, there's all that uncertainty. You know, no, I mean, there's a lot of people out there. I mean. You know, I'm back here with my mum and all that now, but at least I haven't, you know, I've got some roof over my head, I've got my studio set up, you know, and I've got food on the table. And, I, you know, I, could, I wouldn't have had anything if I hadn't come back home because this last year I'd have had all my bills of rent and play and all the other stuff and, and I wouldn't have had no income coming in whatsoever. And, and I imagine these, the little, these people who are going to have, because when, when the furlough thing stops here, the loads of businesses are not going to go back to how they were. Shops aren't going to open. Well, at the moment, they're still taking the money. But when that starts, I think it's going to be that, an absolute wave of bankruptcies and things. You know, and people realise they can do it from home, so they won't go back to the offices. 
And but I mean, if he was like, you know, had four kids and big cars and private schooling and you know, iPads to buy for your family and all that, and all of a sudden you lost your job like that. There's going to be a lot of people that probably can't get to sleep at night worrying about finances and things. You know, and, and at least I don't have that anymore. I haven't got nothing, but I don't owe anything. I've got no, you know, I don't, I, I don't really have much, but I don't owe anyone anything. So I'm all worried about knocking the door or paying certain bills and all that. I'm living a very plain lifestyle, really, at the moment, you know. But I haven't given up. That's the thing. I still sit here. I still, I even talk to myself at night sometimes when I'm doing my music. I mean, I even like, imagine scenarios when people listen to these tracks and go, oh, yeah, that's great. Hang on. Yeah. Somebody asked before because you've been. Now I'm going to ask you about the uh, the kit. What door you're using? What sequencing program? They want people ask. I use Cubase because it's. Uh, I use Cubase. I've, I've actually used them all. I can use them all. I've got. I've got a little Apple in the back there, which has got Pro Tools on it and Logic on it, just for if I get a, a project that someone wants to do in that. But basically, I've got a licky boom. You know, computer that I built myself, PC. I've got I've got everything on it. I've got all the all, all the toys. But I, I I used to be a bit of a, 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 a plug-in junkie. But I, when I redone it, uh, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to put on all these things that I don't ever use. I'm going to learn how to use one channel strip properly. I'm going to use now use a couple of EQs because I have like 500 EQs. I'm going to learn how to use one saturation thing. You know, like learn learn a few of them rather than just bombarding yourself with this, this, this stuff that just confuses you even more. So I find myself just taking stuff off more than I do putting it on. You know, that was, uh, but where I was, well, I didn't really, you know, I didn't read the menu. I didn't RTFM. I didn't read the fucking menu. I, I, you know, like, I realised later on, you realise, oh, I've been doing that wrong. And if I don't, if I've only I'd just read, when I get a new bit of kit now, I, I'm reading the manual on the way home. You know, I'd, I'd actually read it before I even plug it in there. Whereas before, it was just open the box, get it out. I literally spend like weeks not being able to work out how to do it. And if you'd read the manual, it's there. Tells you that no one wants to read the manual, do they? I just want to share this with you. Take a read of this. Hello, Jim. Yeah, I met them guys. The, see, the, I mean, the, the, see what I mean? The people that you see, what I'm saying, see how, see yeah. how. You see how that, how you touch That's the Jim Ryan. You know Jim Ryan. Do him for money pennies. For money pennies, of course. You yeah, know yeah. I met them before before they were actually running clubs. You know, they, they, I, I teach them the first one to play for them. And they brought their, their crowd, crowd down to uh, Milk Bar in the early days. See? Yeah, they're, they're, they're a lovely bunch up there. I always feel really welcome when I go to Birmingham. It's a great city. Okay. So what's the driving force now? What's in your brain today? Because well, you know, as soon as, as, soon as yeah. I finish the day, it's, it's actually finishing this great track of the day. That's it. As soon as we finish this, I'm going to turn around, you know. Wait, wait. What I mean today, going forward from now to the summer and beyond, what's the thought process in your mind? What do you I'll be totally honest with you. I, I, I'm almost obsessed with finishing this project that I've got going because, like, like I was saying before about something pushing away, the amount of times I've got so near to fruition that the grassroots coming through and then lose interest and then walk away from it and then find out a year later someone else does it and has a massive success with it. The same idea that you had. 
that you just don't follow through with it. You know, I mean, that's happened to me so many times. Even like the little inventions I've had and things like that, you know, I think, well, that'd be a good idea, do that. And you don't. And then uh, you, two years later, someone's making a fortune or, or doing really well with it. You know, so I've, I've, I've got a one-track mind at the moment, well, two-track, keeping me mum alive, you know, um, and basically finishing this, this album. You know, and it's, it's, there's so much you can do now. I mean, I've, I've treated this room properly. I've done all the, you know, the, the solar works type thing. It's not – I've made more music in this, in this room in the last two years than I have done in the last 20 years, you know? That's a lot. And I've, yeah, I'm getting a, getting a good result of it. I've had loads of studios over the years, and they turned into more like offices. I just used to go there in the daytime and never, you know, do me emails and only about not really doing the music. Whereas now, the, the only real time I can do it is when she goes to bed about half 10, 11 o'clock, because otherwise she's, she's knocking on the door all the time and I have to get things out of cupboards and cooking and all that sort of stuff. So I get up at lunchtime. I go to bed at 6 in the morning and get up at lunchtime do her stuff in the afternoon, watch a bit of telly with her, keep, you know, keep her company, and then, then I work every night through the night. But when she's up in the morning, are you, who's watching her when you get up in the morning? Got, um, no, she's got a couple of panic button things. I've got, there's only a doorbell, but like, she's got one by her bed and one next to her feet. Um, she, she's quite a big lady. If she falls over, I hear it. Don't worry about that. It's more like an earthquake. I was wondering about, that, all, like, you know, you know, and what's going to well, happen? A couple of times she's had a fall when it's like really hard. I can't lift off the floor on my own. I have to get other people to help me. I mean, she's 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 doing all right, but she's uh, luckily her, her brain's still together. You know, her body's packing up. That won't hurt. She's, she's yeah, she's, yeah, she forgets things, but she's not got dementia or anything like that. You know, well, don't know, but she, she seems all right. She just wants someone to talk to most of the time, and I, you know, so. I spend as much time as I can. She's basically the other side of that wall, you know. So I, I, if she if she shouts if she shouts my name, I hear it, you know. And if that thing's got a light on it, so if I've got headphones on, we'll go. But it's hard to do the music. I don't know if you you notice it. when you're really concentrating on something, and someone comes in and breaks that conversation, you go back to it and you think, what was I doing? Like where was I? You know, you're going somewhere with something, and then you break the chain of thought, and then you go back to it. You can't remember what it was you were actually doing. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah, you were sort of planning out four steps in hell. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I just find that I work better when she's gone to bed at night and then phone's not ringing, Facebook or all that sort of stuff. I turned my phone, there's people who were saying, oh, we're trying to ring, you can never get hold of you. I said, well, it's because I'm doing something that, that, that I don't, you know, if I was an open heart surgeon, I wouldn't have my phone on me. I wouldn't stop in the middle of the thing to do that. But why they, you know, I don't know why they think, yeah, I've just got to take a nonsense call or, or check a post on Facebook. And I'm, I do that. I, I look at Facebook once or twice a day. You know? but I've got to stop drunk posting. Though. You know, like I've got to stop doing anything political because it's like... Have people yeah. asked you to do live sets on the computer? I've never watched one in my life. And I've seen no, somebody in the kitchen jumping around. No, I was, I was going to do one. Right. I was going to do one, but see, if I did it, I want to do it properly. I'd have cameras and angles and do it. But I, I was going to do one, but I'm actually soon to spend the time doing the music. I've got to finish it. I can't I can't leave it. There's, there's, there's 20 tracks that are 85%, 90% done, and six that are done. And I, all I've got to do is one a day is finish one more of them off. And it's, I'll tell you what it is. It's all at stage now. It's just... Um, 
planning and and and, uh, and automation. You know, I've never re never really used automation properly. And now now Don't I've had a crash course. Hang on. And what a difference these mixes are sounding now on automating stuff. Hang you know? on. This came in. Read this, please. Oh, don't stop talking. That's, that's Mandy. She was, she was a cloakroom girl in our clubs. Little Mandy. She was, she was, we had a little family of people. I'm saying is that they don't Don't's. want to stop doing what you do. Just keep doing what you do. It's making... No, but some, but some nights, you know, I might put something up and and then, like, you know, you turn it back on and you see that, like, that six people have, like, defriended you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I should avoid things... But I'm quite often I'm right on it. I mean, I call. This is, the, this is the advice I tell everybody. When you write something, it's different than when we say it because you cannot yeah. take it back. Yeah. Got to be yeah. careful when you write. People who know that. Yeah, it, it, it can be read in two ways, can't it? It's like, if you, it's like it, it, you can say, fuck off or fuck off. You know, it can mean two different things completely, can't it? It can mean. Right? If you write yeah. it, oh, it's bad. Yeah, I know. I know. It's that's, bad. What, that's what happens actually quite a lot is people that, you know, I'm, I'm saying things as a joke. I got a, a, a block on Facebook thing because it's so monitored now and they're so scared of anyone. Really. My best mate, I said, nobody wants to see your, your ugly face, right? And it picked up the word ugly like I was bullying them. This is a guy who's older than me who I've known all my life. And because I put the word ugly in it, it, it got told me off that it was an offensive work thing. You know, there's, there's words that I've used all my life that are getting me in I trouble. Now dirty. And yeah. And it's like, it's like oh, come on, grow up with it. Can you explain to us here, the audience and myself, what the hell the big deal was, what, what the prime minister said in that newspaper uh, that everybody's making a big deal about? He said something well, about dead or something. I, 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 you know, I, I think you say you know, someone's talking to their cabinet and people, and then they say a throwaway comment. It shouldn't have been repeated. So it's it's, it's, it's like you know, it's 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 just somebody stirring it up. I don't care what he said. To be honest with you, yeah, that's just that's, that's, that's just what exactly because they all want him out anyway. Like, like lots of the, the the media and the press, they're all very left wing, and they're, they're, they're the Tories are not. But it's like you know, they should be talking about what's going on now, not not uh, you know. I don't know what he said. I mean, he said something about it was maybe he would sooner have the bodies piled up or something like that. I don't even know if he said it. Bodies piled up than than have another lockdown. But what he's saying is like. Oh, look to that. You know, we're not locking down again. But, if, you know, you, if you're talking to your mate, it shouldn't be repeated like that, should it? Yeah, well, that's important. Yeah. He's denied that today anyway. He was on the Prime Minister's question time today. He denied it. You know? So, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But, you know, that's just deny, all they do. Deny, the opposition deny. always just looks for the, the – they just look for the, you know, the – the thing, the opposition, you know, they just look for any little thing they can to, to have a go at them, don't they? You know, yep. it's not that important, really. I don't think. Before yeah. we wrap this up, is there anything that you need to tell us that we need to know? Because I know there's something that before we say goodbye to you, you're not done yet, are you? You're not done yet. You're like, you got more power in you, don't you? To, to really, yeah, yeah. I'm just starting, mate. You really are starting again? Well, no, I mean, you know. I, I think okay. Let me let me let me let me rephrase the I question. I still think I'm a really good DJ. Let's let me ask. 
I don't care about, cause you know how this works today. You don't have to be good. It's social media that makes you good, which means that even as great as you can be, someone who's real crap can be bigger because of the following. Here's my question. Do you feel you have the chutzpah to come to, to compete against that? That's well, I mean, I, I, I've already it, you know, got it planned to, you know, start the YouTube channel and all that sort of stuff, you know, like, you know, get, get going on that. But I, I need someone who's a, who knows a lot more about it than I do now. I used right, to know. Stop, it. everybody. Help Nikki out. Come on. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that will be my next move because I, it's, it's just time consuming, isn't it? Doing it all. It takes up a lot of time. And Those I have. It's a killer. That's the yeah. job. I would have been a, a, an influencer, a bad influencer. <laughs> That'd be a bad influencer. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's the difference between our uh, parents and our the elders? Then by this age that we're all at, would be done already with our careers. We're just a lot of us are starting to get hot again and roll again. You know, we always we always went. Uh, I like just thinking back to it now, you know. I don't know who these influencers think they're influencing because they're not influencing me. You know, you know, like if, if someone's trying to punt something to me, I go la la la. I'm not listening. You know, it's just like 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 with music, right? Just when you if you go around if, if and you're playing the music, somebody just put it on. Don't say it's you. Don't say it's anything. And people think well, if they like it, they ask. They say who's this? Right? But if you say if you say it's hang on, if you, know, if you try and make me listen to something, I won't listen. Yeah, but you're a record shop boy. You come yeah. from that same era I do, so I get that. But here's the problem. You got a million records a month coming, a million records a week coming out. People yeah. have to do promotion of some sort. I get that. Oh. I know it's not right. You know, yeah, there is that. But then uh, I'm thinking of that old, the old way around of it being like, as I said, there's a power of a thousand. Like if you've got a thousand fans, you've got something to build on from that, if you know what I mean. You know, I think I, I could... Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking of, of, of I don't know. I don't know. I don't know yet. I am going to have to get someone to do that because that's what you have to do. But I don't rate what they're saying. I mean, you can buy loads of likes from, from sweatshops in India and go and get you loads more people liking it for no, you. Can't you know what, let me let me clarify this to everybody. I'm going to clarify it to you. Well, you used to be able to. If you think YouTube, Spotify, and Facebook don't know that those are fake buys and you're silly. Yeah. I could see it if you look at the algorithms. So here's the deal. Well, what it was with this, it was like Twitter, you know, models weren't even getting booked unless they had over a couple of million yeah, people so like it. You have a million followers. Meanwhile, yeah. it's from Mexico City or India. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's a they probably are probably a lot more on it now than they used to be, aren't they? I, I don't know. know. I, don't, I don't know. I know I've got a hardcore people that like me and will like my music and like my cubs. So I will start some new new things up once I've got this album out of the way. Are you ready to travel again, Nick? I guarantee you the, pe the DJs and the people I, I work with will like this music. Are you, you like are it. you ready to travel again? Are you ready yeah. to get out and fight? I can't wait to get out. can't wait to get out. That's the, that's the bit I miss. You know, I've been all around the world with a set of headphones. You know, and that, that's the, the only way to travel, isn't it? I'm really, I'm, that's the bit I'm missing. You know, but I've got to... All right, because people are saying oh, they'll give you a gig. They love you on the chat. You'll see. Well, just get in touch. Get in touch. He's there. Get in touch with Nikki Holloway. No, if you send me a message, I'll put you in touch with the agent. Holloway, give him some love. Come on now.
haven't so I haven't seen any of that, and it doesn't come up on this one, does it? Oh, I'll show you. Hang on. There you go. All right. Thank All right. you. Yeah, everybody tell you they love you. See what they're saying, Nikki Constant, you'll never do rappers like ever again. See, Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> I you know what someone you know what someone's gonna have to do, interview you. I don't know who can do it. I have no. yet to find every time I get these interviews, they were like yeah, no, someone should turn, turn, turn someone should turn it around and, and get your story. Somebody's gotta sit me down. Somebody's gotta know my yeah. story and know how to ask someone, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, someone else who does this sort well, of thing. Somebody's yeah. out there that's got the big boy pants on. You call Karen. Yeah. Say, I'll do the true house stories for Lenny Fontana. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Holloway, I can't thank you enough. When is this album? If this album's coming, when well, you'll, 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 you'll start to hear bits of it soon. I'll, okay. I'll start letting bits of it get out. Nikki, you got to get me the album too so we can help yeah, you. We'll we'll help I kind of feel like a little bit like because no one's with this Spotify thing, no one's getting anything out of it. I kind of would sooner sell 500 copies on my own website to people I know. You know, and I think I could. Then I'd, and I'd do better out of that than I would do if I yeah. had well, that's a lot of million listeners. You know what I mean? I got news for you. That's yeah. what a lot of people are doing. They're doing three to five hundred copies. It's a bit like the old days with the vans, isn't it? You know, making the thing. Forget about vans. You don't have to do the van. You could do it. Yeah. Right. Somebody could get it right from you and all you yeah. ship it out. Done. See, but the thing is, what, you know, that old saying of like, with the internet, you know, it's like the people who made money in the gold rush were the people who sold shovels and the spades. And a lot of these websites that do all that for you, tell you they can do this, that, and the other, and get you on all these things. I've done a few tester things with it, and and it's all a bit. Uh, no one, no one ever tells you actually how many they sold on these websites because they're all a bit embarrassed because they ain't really that many, you know. But no, they all pretend. You know that nobody says nothing. Oh, I'm doing great. I used to love yeah. when I hear that. You yeah. know, how many actually sold them? Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's 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 actually was the, the the word I hate from the UK, and everybody's gonna slam me for this. Is I hate the word massive because every time Pretty I heard aggressive. that word massive, I would think in yeah. my mind the thing was chock a block, like ridiculously packed. I nobody knows what's going to be massive. You don't know what's going to be a hit. What it's massive. Everybody, everybody who makes a record thinks it's going to be a hit. They want it to be it's a hit. Massive. It's, 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 a, happen, it's a this, it's a that. All right. Well, this has been massive. And you are <laughs> massive, Nick. Yeah, I am now. Look. Nikki Holloway. I remember Nikki Holloway was like skin and bones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us are skin and bones. Anymore. I'm turning into an American DJ now. Hawaiian shirts. You got the Hawaiian shirt, everything. Check you it's out. It's the only thing that fits me still. <laughs> no, but you know what? I've started to see a few people lately, and, and um, a lot of people have put on a bit of weight. So it's yeah. just COVID. It's because it, you, you were you were. I lose it again when I get out and about again. But I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't. I go to the shops for my mum, and I'm sitting in the seat all day. As soon as I'm out and about again. Yeah, I need really need his rave. Are I need to actually, do a dance. Are you actually in London or are you up somewhere else? In I'm in Barnet. It's in lo North London. It's sort of. I was saying, funny. Everybody stop by Nick's and, and yeah. say, Nick's partner. Don't do that. I'll get annoyed. <laughs> Karen, don't worry. I love the word massive. I'm just using this example. She's saying, oops, I think I've said massive to you, Lenny. <laughs> no, I'll, show you, 
I want to say thank you to everyone that tuned in tonight. Nikki, I'm going to tell you, and also you didn't know this, but this is the first time Nikki's ever done an interview like this ever. So this is, we got a real true story from a guy. And, and, and them, I didn't use the C word once. I didn't hear it. I was like, no, I, was, I didn't use the C word once. Because, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, a, word it's a bit of a Marmite word. People either love it or hate it. He didn't use the word color. <laughs> no. <laughs> Could it be the color of masking? You know what I'm talking about. It's four spaces. C is the first. Oh, yes, yes, yes. C is the first word of the word. And T. See you next Tuesday. That's right. So you people put the fun in the CT. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, Nicholas. Good night, Nicholas Holloway, all the way from Barney, England, London. Barnet. 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 Sorry, I was going to say Barnet. I thought it was Barnet, but I thought I heard yeah, Barnet. Barnet. 